in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Top 10. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. This is a weekly show that we do, counting down our favorite movies, depending on whatever the topic is. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Good. And uh, this is one of our live shows that we do every second and fourth Thursday of the month here. So uh, welcome to all our $10 and above patrons who get to enjoy our show live here a few days ahead of the people who get to listen to it when we drop it on uh, on Tuesday. So welcome. And yeah, I'm doing good. Um, prepping to come back to L.A. for a couple of days. The uh, Hollywood Critics Association Awards or TV Awards are happening this weekend so uh i'll be heading up there and we're going to be staying at the hotel angelino having a little fun up there and seeing what that's all about so where uh, is the hotel angelino it's you know you've done the 405 it's that circular one that you see off the 405 the one that's kind of that tower that's like kind of oh sure it's like it's on near sunset it seems like it's on its own yeah yeah i think it's right off of sunset yeah 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 so we're gonna be staying there and then kind of driving into the Beverly Hilton, although I need to call them to find out, like, what's the deal with parking? So I don't know what the deal with parking on, on that kind of situation. It's probably like $100 or some shit. So maybe Uber is better. I don't know. I don't know what the Uber's like there in L.A. now, Matt. Is it crazy? I don't drink. So the need for an Uber is just <laughs> it's, to the airport. It's, it's nice. Okay. That, that's about it. So, yeah, I think I've Ubered three times ever. Wow. Fair enough. Man. Well, I'm I'm sober, so there's, <laughs> well, there's no a lot need. of sober people use Uber just to get around. Yeah, those people are called assholes. Uh, <laughs> okay. If you don't have a car, sure. I, I mean, there are certain moments, like if you're going to the Hollywood Bowl to see a show or something, and they yeah. got that Uber lane, and they can drop you off. I yeah. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, sure. If you're just going from point A to point B, a you have a car. Aim. I don't see the point because it's so expensive. Right, right. That you might as well just drive, but that's that's just me. I've always always been the I'll just drive guy. Yeah. Even when I, I drank, which led to me getting a DUI, but I have always been the I'll just drive guy. I'm the same way. I don't like Uber or Lyft because I like to control when I go to and when I leave a place. Uh-huh. So um I have never I know other people would use them like candy, like it's no big deal. But for me, unless I'm you know, flying into a place like when we did the showdown, we'd go into places like, of course, Uber or whatever. Sure. Yeah. I didn't rent a car or anything like that. But yeah. But like um, normally I would never use Uber. I don't think I've used it once in San Diego. Um, and so, yeah, it just wouldn't occur to me. And I then that's why I want to check the parking, because honestly, once again, I want to be able to control when I get to the venue and mm-hmm. when I can leave the venue. You know? 100%. So, yeah. It's that when kind this, of thing. Yeah. When the party's over. Yeah. There's nothing worse than trying to convince whoever gave you a ride. Hey, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it is. It is. I hated that. So I was just like, yeah. you know what? I will drive yeah. because I would rather be in control of that situation. And if yeah. I'm staying longer than you, well, you know, you got to find a ride. This is the, the penance you paid. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, for not doing it, but any of that. Have you ever done a bird like one of the scooters? I've never done one of those. No, I, I, you know, I may have thought about it until JT had his accident, yeah. and then when he had his accident, I was like, yeah, I'm never getting on one of those. And then seeing the people who get on there, like I saw a guy riding one the other day with his son, his like five year old, four year old son, holding on to the stick mm-hmm. while he was maneuvering. I'm like, you're an idiot. Something could happen, and you'll fall on top of your child. Or your child could go shooting off in one direction. You can't catch him. I just thought that was some dumbass parenting that I saw there, man. I get it. You think in your mind, oh, I can handle it, and you you want to give your kid a little fun ride on the on the bird. But I, I think you're risking a incredible amount of danger there with a child. You know, you should never know what a child's going to do in a situation like that. Freak out! It's going too fast. Jump off! You just never know. Uh yeah. Neither of us have kids, so I don't tend to give parenting advice <laughs> i'm not trying to give i agree with you I, it's an observation i'm not it's saying risky it's yeah but i i think also it depends on what area you're doing it in if it's a heavily congested whatnot and you're on the sidewalks that seems like a recipe for disaster but if you're True. in some neighborhood and rarely do cars come through and you're just zipping from point a to point b i i, I don't know i could see the logic in that kid loves oh. it good time but i've never done it because i think it's really stupid yeah 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 uh jam yeah jt's crash aside i thought it was done before that oh okay fair and then found out about him and i saw him shortly after and i was like wow that's yeah you know the perils of every time i see one of those now like you get picked off at any moment yeah of course you just never know yeah um but what else what else is going on in your world uh i mean nothing nothing huge in my world you know okay home improvement projects doing that stuff nice nice it never ends man never ends what's the deal with can you talk about what's the deal with your wife and the and the pizza place i thought she had moved away from the pizza Lindley was asking me about this the other day she's like is she back working now is she back is she does she like uh, did covid change everything did you guys have to let people go like what was the situation now because you um, mentioned that she's been working at the show, and I didn't know if that was like she had changed her mind about it. Can you say? Yeah, no, she works back at the shop. She works four okay. days a week. Um, oh, wow. So she is back. Okay. Yeah, she took off a few months. Right. Uh, like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, and then the last uh, she got bored out of her mind, I think, ultimately. <laughs> and then pivoted back to going back and now she doesn't want to be going back so i'm sure she'd love the time off and then when she gets the time off it's an ebb and flow back and forth back and forth um are you telling me sometimes humans aren't satisfied no matter what decisions they make is that what you're trying to tell me we we all fall victim to it yes yes that's why i said humans Uh, yeah, she's she's back there, uh, you know, four days a week, occasionally five days a week, just depending on if somebody right on. has to bow out or, you know, somebody they she had a manager put in there two weeks. Oh, shit. So they'll she'll more than likely have to cover a shift or two until they find a replacement person. Right, 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 right. Uh, stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, she's I would imagine by the for the most part, happy to be back. But and it's all back fully open, right? You guys are back fully open. Yeah, they shifted to so at COVID it was all delivery and takeout yeah, right um so they monopolized the interior space so then once COVID oh, yeah. subsided there was no indoor seating anymore 
So now there's an outdoor patio oh, nice. with like a bunch of shade and, and table set up and planters and all that jazz. Oh, that's good. Uh, so they've yeah set that up and then seems to be working, but it's, you know, hot as shit here. So I don't know if yeah people are enjoying sitting outside eating hot food. Yeah. yeah uh, a number of the restaurants did that down here in San Diego. Now they, they pushed out onto the lanes. Yeah. Onto the streets uh, and kept that, um, that space. So the city let them keep that space. And, you know, when we were down there the other day at Comic-Con, it was insane to see how many of those restaurants have maintained that outdoor area, you know. So. I'll be curious as to the long term, you know. Yeah, right, right. Will the will cities... still getting cases, so yeah, yeah. But in five years, right? are we still going to have these massive, they took over three, four parking spots and put up yeah. these big shed things? Like I was down on uh, at uh, John and Vinny's. The oh, other yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. And almost all those parking spots are gone. On Fairfax? Yeah. Really? Yeah. On Fairfax. Holy shit. Like, because there's that, that and then premium there's premium spots. Those are premium spots. So it's all shifting to that neighborhood behind. Wow. Which those people got to be getting pissed off because of it's already congested. Right. So now you're Ugh. getting the overflow of the 10 cars, 20 cars they can park on Fairfax right there. Oof. But yeah, between that and there's like a pizza shop and a this and a this restaurant and that. Just they all put their outdoor seating in those parking spots. Yeah, Cantor's so, is over there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see if Cantor's had done it across the yeah, street. I was just on the John and Benny side. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really look over. Uh, yeah, you're right. Because there's there's a, de- there's a deceptive number of restaurants just on that little strip. Mm-hmm. Like there's a burger place. There's I think there was a kind of a, not a Whole Foods. What do you call that kind of restaurant? It's like a, you know, what, fresh a or vegan food. or a raw food yeah, or something? Yeah, that kind of thing. It was one of those as well. Like, Lindley and I went there one time. When, when I used to live over there, which was like yeah. a block away from Fairfax or two blocks away from Fairfax, we walked over to that restaurant one time and it was like, fuck, I barely found anything to eat in that place. You know, she wanted to try it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, you, you're surprised at how many re- like hidden little restaurants there are. Even John and Vinny's, it looks, it's nondescript. Like, it's got the, re- the, the, sign in red or whatever or whatever color it is now but like the door itself it doesn't feel like it's leading in anything any kind of big restaurant no. you walk in you're like oh shit all right cool it's great food too jesus great food yeah they're slammed yeah. just slammed. Yeah. we ate at barbecue yeah on uh bledsoe's on oh yeah brea yeah la brea and yeah. then walked over to john and Vinny's to get cookies <laughs> uh they got bomb ass cookies but uh, I didn't see anybody on Brea that had taken over parking yeah. spots, but there yeah. aren't as many restaurants. Uh, no. But yeah, certain sections of the city where just they have monopolized all these spots and you're like, that's fine. But the yeah. extra parking is bleeding over somewhere. They must be paying like to have that those spot, like some sort of extra rent or something for those areas because of the um money the city is not making from people getting tag getting tickets on those parking spots or the meters making money off people parking in those spots i would imagine there's some certain some sort of resolution that was made or agreement yeah. that was made. i think long term you're probably correct yeah short term in covid they didn't charge them anything mm. cuz they wanted businesses to stay open and right 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 keep, keep people employed flowing. Yeah. uh but then after that cuz i know when they uh, stopped the uh, tickets and whatnot and towing cars. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The the loss of revenue was a huge blow to the city. And oh, sure. Nothing the city can really do about it. We're not going to tow people in the middle of right. this. 
Although I got my fucking car towed. <laughs> well, we had oh, that's right because it was yeah, uh, we had a little work truck that we finally right. got rid of. Yeah, uh, which uh, called to donate it, and the day before I was like, all right, I'm going to call on Friday to donate it and have somebody yeah. come pick it up. Thursday, the catalytic converter got stolen. Oof. Um, which is fine. They still took the donation, and we, you know, they sold it for more than it was worth. Right, 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 right. Given the current used car economy, even putting a new catalytic converter in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that truck got towed. <sighs> took it to the tow yard, and the tow yard was like, "Listen, we're not towing anybody right now. So whoever did this is an asshole." That's a direct quote. Because it had been sitting there for weeks because they told us <laughs> not to leave our houses. So it sat on the street that doesn't have street sweeping. Yeah. And the guy was like, someone purposely called the cops and then the cops came and then checked Jesus. on it. Uh, and they have to wait two weeks. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't touch it for three, four weeks. I moved it up there <laughs> so I didn't have to keep moving it once a week. Um, yeah. Because they're still doing street sweeping at the time. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cost us more than the car's technically worth to get it out of the impound because we're like, all right, we'll turn around and sell it. Well, it'll be a wash. And then we ended up needing to use it, but still. That's insane uh, to me. That's insane to me. Yeah, just some. I mean, like, uh, did you have a grievance? Could you go back at the city or anything? We don't know who did it. Oh, okay. So, and right. technically, by rights, by letter of the law, if a yeah. car sits there for more than like 10 days, 10 business days or something, they can tow your car. What? Yeah, in wow. Los Angeles. I think it's in, in the county, not just the city. I think you actually know, you know what? You might be right. Because, I mean, years ago, when I traded in my Mitsubishi Eclipse, my teal Mitsubishi Eclipse for a Ooh, new caller. <laughs> yeah, total baller. Um, it was on its last legs, and the dealership wouldn't take it. So I just left it parked in a metered spot. And I think after a few weeks, a couple of weeks, they towed it. And then they told me they were keeping the car, and I responded back, enjoy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Basically it. I did have to pay the parking tickets, like which I didn't know I'd have to do that. But I did have to pay the parking tickets. Like, well, Of course. The city's going to get theirs. Yeah, exactly. When I did the registration the next year, I think it was for the, for the jet I had at the time. And, oh, man, it was a pretty thing. It was like $700. I was so fucking mad. Oh. Oh, dude, so I got mad, dude. I'm I'm sure I told this story at some point, but I got my yeah. car towed, went to Santa Monica, yeah, and was watching the Super Bowl, and there, I mean, no parking. So I finally found a spot where I'd probably say this front six inches of my bumper were in a red spot, yeah, but the rest of my car, we're talking about six inches, <laughs> and I walk out after the game, oh, and my car is missing. Oh, so I figure out the tow yard that they took it to and I got right. there and they had just closed and they're like, you're going to have to pick it up tomorrow and you're going to have to pay the overnight fee. Oh, and I'm like, I'm fucking dude. you're I'm talking to somebody in the office. I'm like, you're <laughs> here. I'm here. So then the next day I lived in Silver Lake. So I have to hoof it all the way back oh. to Santa Monica, get yeah. my car. And then they pull my car in through the impound lot and there's a parking ticket underneath the windshield. I'm like, you fucks. But yeah, that was like seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars. The city oh. will fuck you, man. This yeah. city. No, that's I, talk, <laughs> I talked to a parking official like a few weeks later. I saw one. I was like, "Hey, yeah. what what is the rule here?" Because uh, my car got towed. Yeah, and I realized it was in the red. But it's like we're talking a minuscule amount. And the parking official was like, "It's up to the discretion of whoever tickets you." Of course. Yeah. And I'm like, "God, oh, that's that sucks." Okay. 
Matt, it's like playing in the Schmodown when the judges get to when the people calling the match get to decide if you got the question right or wrong, which is bullshit, you know. So I hear you. I feel the pain. I understand to a degree. Don't you think it's more so a certain individual looking at a list of questions and then choosing the degree of difficulty of the question, depending on the outcome that they would like to see? Happen? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I definitely know that happened. <laughs> I definitely know that happened. I was on a, yeah, I'm not unintentionally <laughs> told by the individual. Oh yeah. There was another one. I was like, what do you mean? There's another one. There's another one. Well, yeah, I've got multiple in front of me. What? So you're picking and choosing the questions that you ask? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Well, you know, those are the old days now. It's it's over. Yeah, exactly. I walked away. That was one of the final straws. I was like, I- I'm good. I'm good. You know what? I think I'm good. I, I don't need to be fodder for your views. It's fine. <laughs> Let me ask you one more thing before we jump into our show, because I know we got to get to our show. But like, um, I was reading an article this today on Ringer about um, about LeBron. And them saying, like, he could ask for a trade. Do you think that is really in play here with LeBron, that he might get out of here, go to, instead of Durant going to Phoenix, he could go to Phoenix, or he might go back to Miami or back to Cleveland even? Do you think that's a real possibility if they can't make this Kyrie? Everything out of Cleveland is, we're not going to trade for you, but if you want to come here in free agency, we'll we'll have a discussion. (laughs) Damn, how the times have changed. Well, they've got, why... Why trade their young core is really yeah. interesting. Of course. Yeah. So yeah. why sacrifice that when they could be in the contention discussion for the next like five years? Yeah. At least and, in discussion. You're right. Maybe not yeah. winning, but certainly in the discussion. Maybe not, but it, yeah. they've got a few guys who are like, that dude is really good. Yeah. That dude is really good. Like Evan Mobley, who knows where he's going to be in three years. Yeah. Garland took a hell of a leap. Let's see how Sexton does coming back. They still You're have right. Allen and Markinen and, yeah. You know, it's an intriguing team. That's true. By the way, I hope you don't hear any noise. It's hot as shit here, and yeah. it's not as bad as yesterday, thank God, but I have all my windows open. And- don't even sweat it, bro. I got two fans on me right now, so yeah. if you can't hear the fans, then please, I'm good. Yeah, I've got an AC going, even with windows open, just yeah. fucking something. Thankfully, yeah, yesterday was Brother, terrible. I went out and bought, I rode my, I took a picture of myself afterwards. I put it up on social media, but I went out and rode 90 minutes in the bike, on the bike yesterday at one o'clock in the afternoon because hmm. i was like you know the old days i used to hike without water at, at one o'clock i love the heat i don't mind sweating i was a fucking mess when i got home i only walked the bike one time for like five minutes up this like last hill but other than that i rode it i was dying fucking dying. and i had the the camel back with the water and shit mm-hmm. but the water came out uh, hot yeah. Instead of cold. And I was like, I am so fucked here right now. So yeah, yesterday was hell on earth, man. Absolute scorcher, dude. Oh, and to your previous question. I mean, he can, I, I don't foresee him wanting to leave. Ultimately. Yeah, But if he can't win a title, why stay? Well, he can close out this year. And uh, yeah, then, right, he hasn't signed up for the next year. He hasn't uh-huh. for next year. So yeah. Cause whoever is straight for him, He's got to agree. You need to sign. Right. It can't be a one and one. We're not going to give up a bunch of assets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For you, promise of okay. Well, you get one more season on top of him. So, like that right. seems like a, a hell of an ask. But even that doesn't matter, does it? I mean, Kyrie forces his way out. James forces his way out. Kevin's going to force his way out ahead of their contracts being up. So, 
even if you sign that, doesn't guarantee you that you'll keep LeBron, especially someone like LeBron with the cachet he has. You'll be able to keep him even if you don't, even if you do give up those assets, thinking he's going to stick around for longer. Yeah, That's but what crazy part of it? What leverage does he have? I mean, he's LeBron. I mean, last year was one of the best years he's ever as a shooter. That being said, it's an expiring contract. Yeah, true. It's a lot of you, money too. You Fuck. don't have. Hey, yeah, but considering his actual value, it's a cheap contract. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, he, I just. You know, who knows who floated this idea for the article as yeah. well. At least it didn't right. come from Shams, which is basically coming from LeBron. Right, right, right. No, uh, they're just exploring the possibilities and considering sure. And that nothing's going to happen until the Kevin Durant shit kind of shakes itself out. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, I, now Durant is like, everybody's got to go. Yeah. Like, Hi. Did you hear the, the story where yeah. they called the Celtics? And the Celtics are like, all right, well, what do you want for Durant? And they're like, Tatum and Brown. And they're like, <laughs> what? I just the hubris. Tatum and Brown. Okay. Do you want to make a trade? <laughs> do you want? Like, I realize you got to set the bar, but let's not be ridiculous. I wouldn't even respond. I would just no. hit the hang up button and go bowling with my day. I wish there would be a, like a video camera on me and they could watch me just slowly hang up. Not forcefully, just like, no. Yeah. No, just <laughs> quietly click. Uh, That's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just want to get your thoughts. All right, let's jump into the show here. Uh, we're counting down the top 10, top 10 films um, written directed and starring the same person so whatever combination you want to say directed written and starring starring written and directed by or written directed and starring by starring uh the same person that's what we're doing here uh and why is that matt what was the what was the film that uh, inspired us to do it this way uh coming up here that we were going to talk with that is connected to this do we remember for what i'm assuming is an australian film yes but the legend of molly johnson because it the description yes. is a lonely bush woman. Yes. Leah Purcell. Leah Purcell. She writes, directs, and stars in the movie. And uh, Leah's no joke. She's a tough-ass uh, actress. So, an interesting, but certainly an Australian actress. So, certainly a, a, a nice choice there. So, um, And there's something to be said for a true auteur, where you <laughs> yeah. write the fucking thing, yeah. you direct it, and you star in it. Yeah. Uh, you have a distinct vision, and then if you can pull off something that is entertaining on top of all of that, it's uh, wildly impressive. Yeah, she's a theater, film, and television actress, singer, director, playwright, and author, and the youngest of seven children of an Aboriginal Australian descent. Holy shit, man. That's incredible. Props to you, Leah Purcell. Props to you. Yeah, so if anybody sees this, let us yeah. know yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed it. Um, it's not on my docket right now to watch. <laughs> no. Well, I'm not against it. If it's good, I'll, I'll happily see it. I just don't know where it's playing. She was in the um, proposition, apparently. The uh, that okay. western with what's his face, Guy Pierce. Ooh, and Lantana, which was a good Australian film there that I remember seeing years ago. All right, I might maybe I'll ask for a screening link. Take a look at this one. Be kind of fun. Um, anyway, so that's uh, that's what's inspired us to put this list together, Matt. There were uh, more films than I thought. Mm -hmm. There were some films that I 
had to kind of debate with. And then at the end, I kind of settled on what I feel is an authentic representation of my top 10. Even if I might have some battles, depending on the day, replacing the nine or the 10. But right now, I think I can't. I'm good with my list as opposed to last week, where I, just, I know it was insane to even try to make ten, a top 10 out of that list. So, yeah. And like we said on that show, if we did it this week, who knows yeah, good where point. that list lands. Yeah, yeah. And in this one, it's the the biggest hindrance is starring. Yes. So basically, I just need you to have a, a sizable part. Right. Right. You don't need to be the lead technically for the starring aspect of it. Um, but more than just a couple lines, like I, in no way, shape yeah. or form is Peter Jackson for any of the Lord of the Rings. Cause he makes a cameo, even though he co-wrote and directed, he's like, that yeah. shit doesn't count if we're saying or, starring or Hitchcock, who's in all his movies, but yeah. Or, and I excluded like that thing you do. Yeah. Tom Hanks's part is so small. It's like, it that is. is not starring. Yeah. At least the way that the common parlance. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was one I left off as well because I felt like the person isn't <clears throat> he's certainly his name is a part of the movie, but the film is much more about the other two people than it is about him. Even though he has a couple of really great scenes in the film, there's much more going on in the film than him. So I, in the end, okay. I got that one. Even though it's a damn good movie. I had to cut it though in my mind. What is it? Uh Ides of March. Ah. I did yeah. not. Uh, it's on my side list, but it yeah. didn't make. In the end, I was like, Clooney is not in it enough, even though he has two really damn good scenes, like the scene yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah, but it's Gosling running around trying to figure out. Yeah, it's Gosling and Evan Rachel Wood, and then you got Seymour Hoffman and then Giamatti, so mm-hmm. they're in it much more than Clooney is. So to me, that's you know, what disqualified it. And even in Good Night, good night and Good Luck, because that's really about David Strather. And he shows up as part of the ensemble cast, but not really a standout part of the ensemble cast. No, it's a small... Yeah. Like I it's not, I don't consider that a Downey Jr. film, you know, even though he's in it. Yeah, I think like uh, Men Who Stare at Goats would be closer because he's got a bigger part and he oh, yeah, directed yeah, yeah. that. Monuments, man. Or Monuments, man. Oh, yeah, Maybe it was, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For sure. But the you need to have somewhat a sizable part. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Go ahead. Um, all right. So yep. that's what we're doing. So good luck to you, Miss Purcell. Hopefully your movie does gangbusters and yeah. becomes the groundswell hit of the season. We don't Or as you might say, gangbusters? No, it's not really good. I tried. I'm sure they have their own vernacular <laughs> colloquialism for that. Um, yeah. And you know Tim Williams or any of other Australian <laughs> listeners? Let us know what it is. Yeah, let us know what gangbusters We would love to learn some Australian idioms. Yeah. He for told these me one. situations. We're not fucking spiders. That's apparently yeah. a, a, an idiom. So there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're not here to fuck spiders. That's right. We're not here to fuck spiders. So that's so weird. But I guess spiders are a big thing down in Australia. Anyway. <laughs> They're a big thing everywhere. Nobody likes spiders. I mean, they, I, I put it this yeah. way. There are yeah. certain spiders that I have no problem with whatsoever. Sure. You have no problem yeah. with? Okay, sure, sure. Well, it's just like uh, uh, last night I saw like a a common little house spider thing. Yeah. And I let it be. I didn't yeah. take it out of the house. I let it go because you're killing other bugs. You're never going to fuck with me. That's fine, man. Go about your day. <laughs> I had like a, I had a jumping spider on my backpack at basketball a few weeks ago. Oh, And 
uh, I just slowly shimmied it and got it off my bag. Right. And uh, another guy was like, what are you, Buddhist? Like, why, why don't you just fucking kill the thing? I was like, because it's jumping spider, man. It's not going to, it's not doing shit. You're not gonna find but, a lot. You're not gonna find a lot of empathy amongst stand-up comics. There's not a lot of empathy amongst yeah. stand-up comics. But then, you know, uh, not too long ago, like a, a year ago or something, I saw Black Widow. I killed oh. that fucker. I found the harshest chemical I could yeah. around me, and I sprayed it down. And then once it fell down, I stopped that son of a bitch to hell. <laughs> they just the ones that are, you know, a problem. Yeah, eradication seems like the best method to me. But That's the awesome. rest of them. That's awesome. it's your problem anyway <laughs> uh, um all right oh uh, well anyway uh, matt how's the show work we set a topic we go our individual ways create personal top 10 list show back up here i do my bottom three he does his bottom three i do my next two he does his next two then we trade one apiece once we have revealed our personal top 10 list we create the shows between the two of us absolutely all right let's get it going what do you got at number 10 my man uh at 10 i've got sling blade Ooh, that is my number nine. So let's do it. A Billy Bob Thornton joint. Yes. That he adapted from, a, I think, a play that he wrote and starred in. Yeah. Uh, for the screen. Yes, it was um, a play and then a short, which he then converted uh, okay. into a larger feature. Yeah. And that's what it got him probably the sale with Miramax. They see yeah. the short. Uh, Harvey Weinstein says yes. And yeah. then, uh, so yeah, we got Thornton. He's part of that rush of independent films yes. in the mid to late nineties where we got exposure to them previous decades. It was all just studio films yeah. and technically, you know, comes out from Miramax. So it's slowly becoming not quite as large as the big boys, but, uh, you have the indie cred yeah. and Thornton plays a, what would you say mentally disabled individual? Yeah, certainly. I would say that. Yeah. Mentally. Um, yeah, sure. Who had killed his mother when he was a kid. Right. Because he was being abused and then gets let out and kind of befriends a kid that was roughly his age when yeah. his life went to hell. A very famous Lucas Black. Yes. A Everybody, very young Lucas Black. He was. Yeah. Everybody knows Lucas Black. You should know Lucas Black. Great actor. Been a lot of fast people. too. Yeah. Tokyo oh no, uh, three, three, the Tokyo Drift. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, him, Dwight Yoakam, yeah, John Ritter. Yep. Uh, I can't remember. Plays his mom. Was. Do you remember who plays his mom? I do not. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. But anyway, oh, yeah. you're looking it up. Yeah. Um, you keep talking. So he kind of befriends young Lucas. Yeah. And then gets pulled into his world, ends up staying with him and yes. sees the physical abuse pattern that he broke out of as a child yeah. and decides enough is enough. Yeah. Uh, and it's got that great how his maturation at the end when he tells that one dude to shut up. Yeah. Um, JT Walsh, the great. Oh, yeah. Walsh. Yeah. Uh, and the progression overall, but it's such a. I remember when seeing the trailer and it was like, this seems like a real one trick pony yeah. type of character. And then you watch it. It's got depth and the story is engrossing and it launched Billy Bob. Yes. Thereafter. So, you know, from that, he was now getting the highest of high profile projects because previously it was like 17th banana and tombstone and stuff like it's that. Slapped around tombstone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
just smaller parts. But he's unrecognizable yeah. in Tombstone just because he's probably like 60 pounds heavier. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we don't have him in Armageddon if we don't have this movie. That's No, it's Armageddon comes, what, a year or two after? Two years later, yeah. Uh, this, but we don't have Billy Bob to this day if this movie yeah. didn't exist. Yeah, with that Goliath show on uh, Amazon Prime, or Prime Video, rather, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember liking this movie. I remember going to see this movie. I think I went, I probably went by myself with a friend some Saturday afternoon to see it, and I was just really transfixed by the performance. Of course, you immediately, you know, if you're any kind of impressionist, you want to try to, you know, kind of imitate what he does with the character and the voice. Such a uniquely distinct character. It could easily have slipped into caricature, but it mm-hmm. never does, not even for a second, because of the honesty and the performance from Billy Bob Thornton and the genuine chemistry he has with Lucas Black. You know, and um, you, you could argue, well, you know, they're around the same age emotionally. Yes. Maybe not, you know, in terms of age, obviously body wise, different, but emotionally, maybe around the same age, because clearly. He's a kid who was stunted for whatever reasons. And I think from the abuse of his mom as well, all of that. Um, and then Yoakum, this is also a film that kind of launched Yoakum as an actor as well. Like he could play something like this. You know, he'd, he'd been in a couple of things, I think, but something like this, which had this kind of menace to it, you know, uh, was really surprising because <laughs> a lot of people just knew him as, you know, Bakersfield County guy with the Baker, uh, the country music guy with the Bakersfield sound. So no one... I don't think really conceive that he could play a part like this. And he's super fucking evil in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the actress is uh, Natalie Canaday. She's the one that plays uh, uh, Lucas Black's mom in the movie. And he's so, you know, mean to her and abusive to her. And you see, and it's just a small sample of how many abusive relationships there are uh, in this country between, you know, people who are not that intelligent, who get with these women who are, you know, have some low self-esteem, low self-worth. And it becomes a very toxic situation that affects the children and they repeat the same patterns. It repeats over and over again. So in some messed up way, this was um, Carl. That's the name of Billy Bob Thornton's character, his way of like stopping the pattern so that this kid isn't one of the kids that gets lost in that situation. And nothing says his mom's not going to like take up with someone terrible down the road, but at least in this way, this evil guy isn't going to get his hands on the child and mess up the mess up uh, her mom as well or his mom as well. So, and when he man when he shows up with that lawnmower blade, fuck me, I was like, holy shit! And Yoakum and him play that scene is so good. Between yeah, them, you know. So yeah, this was a damn good mill movie. Uh, it was, and it's you know great for for Billy Bob. Yeah, to go from. Someone, no one, the average movie cover, myself included, didn't know to yeah. indelibly being etched into my brain. Yeah. Uh, and just flat out launched him to where now I know what I'm getting from him. Right. By and large. And he's shown range. He's done everything from, you know, something like this to Armageddon, which you brought up. But he's done yeah. comedies. He's done, you know, everything in between. Now, there's certain yeah. things that he gravitates to more. Uh I've enjoyed Billy Bob's performances quite a bit over the years. So thankfully we all got to see sling blade. Uh, yeah. Cause the guy's a talent. Well, and the thing is, and, and real quick, Billy Wilder made this happen. Billy Wilder, classic really? film director, Billy Wilder. Uh, Billy Bob told this story a number of times afterwards, but he was working as a waiter, a struggling actor. And he got, got into a conversation with Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder told him you're an ugly guy. 
So you're going to have to write your own film and put yourself in it and somehow find a way to accentuate your features and make them positive instead of negatives. And so this is what motivated him to write the script for Sling Blade, which has been in his mind for a while. It wasn't like he'd done Tombstone. He's like, hey, you know what? I should write something. No, he'd been working on Sling Blade for quite some time uh, based on his own experiences down there where he lived. And so this was the motivation. And then Billy Wilder really kind of pushed him forward with that kind of advice. Huh. So it motivated. And so later he and Wilder says, I didn't remember the conversation at all, because why not? He's probably talked to a million fucking people. About yeah. That. Young people. Yeah. Especially and I like the, the brutal. That What's that? The brutal honesty. Yeah. Like, exactly. you're, you're an ugly guy. <laughs> Amen. By Los Angeles standards and Hollywood yeah. standards, you are an ugly guy. Yeah. 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 Um, but but uh, Billy Wilder, but I'm um, sorry, Billy Bob, apparently. Uh, you know, uh, found a uh, got back in touch with Billy Wilder, and Billy Wilder invited him to his house, and and they had a really nice dinner, and apparently gave him some <laughs> some stuff there. So yeah, so you know, you just never know. You never know how things can go about, because you know, of course Billy died. It's a good story though. I like it. Yeah, I know. I like it too. Uh, all right, what's your nine, man? Uh, my nine is the Chaplin, the Great Dictator. Oh yeah, go ahead, my man. I didn't put any Chaplin. I'm not a silent movie guy, so go ahead. Well, this one's not silent right well fair 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 fair. and that's why i included it over any of the earlier or buster keaton stuff just like well you need to write the dialogue i guess for the writing (laughs) aspect of this good point i realize there are there is writing in the silent film sure sure. yeah there there are and you have to set up the scenarios and the the stunts and all that and i'm not (laughs) denigrating any of those because they're amazing go watch the general yeah it's it's incredible agreed um but uh, so this, I mean, this is just a, a Hitler parallel. Yeah. Because the, the movie opens with World War One and trench warfare and whatnot. And the Hitler's somewhat rise is just an artillery guy. Yeah. To then eventually becoming the dictator. And then there's a mixed up identities type of thing between yeah. the Hitler character and this Jewish barber, both played by Chaplin. Yeah. And that's where you get the speech at the end. Is they've been mistaken and they're they've they've swapped roles and yeah. he gives this impassioned speech about basically we need to not be warring with one another. You need to find the beauty and that, those around you because that's ultimately humanity at its best yeah. is when we're cheering for one another as opposed to trying to tear each other down. Um, but the the slow build, the parallels that they draw in with uh, like uh, the Italian stand-ins that uh chaplain's hitler has a fight with about who who's going to be able to invade he's like uh, osterlich osterlich <laughs> yeah i think so oster something or other which is where some of the jewish people have fled to yeah. uh that hitler wants to invade in but the, everybody if you've seen anything of it you've seen the speech at the end but there's some good Physical comedy. It's also a nice discussion as to how an individual gets to this place and yeah. the absurdity of it all. Yeah. Um, there's a sequence where, you know, the chaplain Jewish barber who has amnesia because he got into a plane accident with. That's uh, right. Yeah, with his German officer. Yeah. And the stormtroopers come by and they paint uh, Jew on three windows on the front of his barber shop. Yeah. And he walks out and he is unaware of the current climate. And he's like, what is this? And it gets into this kind of slapsticky thing with stormtroopers, for Christ's sakes. 
but the hypocrisy of all of this is the guy that he saved uh, in that plane crash yeah. manages to drive past as he's getting strung up, Chaplin's Jewish barber character, yeah. and yeah. saves him from it. And was like, well, this is a good dude. This is one of the good ones. Yeah. And be like, oh, okay. <laughs> because you can recognize the humanity in the individual this one time makes him a good person. All the rest yeah. are terrible no. No. and need to be just wiped off the face of the earth. This one's, uh, you know, he almost passes for Aryan guys. It's cool. It's cool. And you're like, this is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just the absurdity of it all. And, you know, the there's the sequence where Chaplin is dancing around with that inflatable globe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As the idea is presented to him that basically he could be king of the world. Yeah. And he doesn't want to, him to say it too loudly because he doesn't want that you know, basically to, to burst his bubble, so to speak, which he ultimately does at the end of the sequence. Um, and that being Hitler's ultimate goal is he wants to rule us all. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's when it came out, it's a very accurate portrayal of a lot of things that were going on. Yeah. Um, True. So it's, it, as a parallel to the history that was unfolding at that yeah. moment, it's an interesting movie. It's fucking prescient. It didn't come yeah. out in like 1946. It came out in 1940. So that was, we still had five more years of the war to fight. We hadn't even gotten in the war yet. Yeah. That's how prescient the great t- dictator is. Like he knew as a Jewish artist, he knew where Hitler was going, right? He knew what was going to happen. He sensed where it was going to go. And, you know, having been involved and spoke and spoke, spoken to people who were seeing what was happening there in in uh in germany he felt a, a how can i say this he felt a calling to write this movie and make this movie and showcase this stuff so it's crazy to consider how prescient he was in this movie because of everything he says in there hitler ended up trying to do yeah so nuts absolutely nuts and it's a great performance so that speech still resonates Mm-hmm. sadly even more so when you think about what's going on in our world and in our country it's certainly that speech carries weight volume now more than ever and the fact that when it was released mm. because we hadn't been drawn into the conflict yet right there was a wide sentiment of like they like yes this doesn't seem good to poke the bear right like, why are we doing this like you have to there were not speak truth to power Power. Yeah, and there were Nazi sympathizers in Hollywood who didn't want him to write. Oh, yeah. There were people who were in cahoots with the Nazis in Hollywood who didn't want him to make the film and, and came out against Shit, it. Americans fought for the Germans. Yeah. Yeah. People don't the know. The call people. to the fatherland and Americans went back and fought with the Germans because yeah. their their parents were of you know German descent. And it was a call to arms. We gotta protect our homeland. Yeah. So Americans amongst other, you know, nationalities flew back and fought with the, the Nazis. Yeah. People don't know. People don't know these stories. Um, anyway, all right, let's move on to number eight. What's your number eight, man? Uh, my number eight is A Quiet Place. Oh, yes. That is my number. Oh, well, let's punt it. It's a punt. It's a punt. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, so then my number 10 is The Apostle. The Robert. Oh, De the Duvall? Duvall. Yeah. Uh, go for it. I love this movie. Absolutely love this movie. It fought hard to become number 10 over some of the ones that I didn't include. But this movie, it I mean, for the time that Robert Duvall made this movie, 
there are not many actors who decide at the later stage of their career to write and direct their own film starring him. But he, as I said earlier with Chaplin, Duvall said he felt called to write this movie. Billy mm -hmm. Bob Thornton in this movie as well in a small part. But he felt called to write this movie to kind of deal with these questions he was having himself about religion, about punishment, about forgiveness, all of that. And so you're seeing here in the film, uh, Duvall is this preacher who has uh, taken a baseball bat to his ex-wife's uh, new boyfriend in anger at a baseball game, at his son's baseball game, I think, and runs off from the town he was in to a new town, uh, has a new name. And because at that time, you know, there's not walking around with driver's license. He's just has a new name and he gets taken in by the religious people in the town, mm -hmm. both black and white. And he ends up setting up and inspiring to set up a mission there and a, um, a congregation. And he goes and does the preaching on the radio, does preaching all around town. And yeah, you know, Billy Bob Thornton comes in wanting to destroy the church with this tractor, this like a, uh, what a loader, whatever they call this carrier thing. Backhoe or a... It was one of those big ones where they scoop a shit ton of dirt up. And so I don't know what they call that thing. Sorry, y'all. Bulldozer? But, sure. A bull... No, well, the bulldozer is a thing, but I like, you know, it scoops it up. You know what I'm saying? Whatever that is um, that has the plow in the front, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, something. Yeah. That's not a bulldozer? I don't. I thought the bulldozer was just something that laid stuff over. But yeah, look it up. Can you tell we don't do manual labor? Well, at least Matt does. I don't. I don't uh, work heavy machinery. Yeah, it's a bulldozer. <laughs> it's a bulldozer. All right, huh? bulldozer. Uh, anyway, trying to bulldoze the 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 um, church that he has just had built or, or refurbished, and he has a great scene where he where Duvall talks him out of it, and how and it's because there's this anger and pain with Billy Bob Thornton's character related to church and related to what happened in his life, and it's so incredible. To see that, but of course, eventually he becomes famous enough that people start talking about him in other towns, and then the police hear about him being in that other town and come and get him. So it's that kind of it's such a fantastic performance, but you're also in the back of your mind as you start to like this guy, dealing with the fact that, well, he also committed this really heinous act of physical violence that caused him to run off. So, how do you mm -hmm. feel about this guy for real? Uh, and so just fantastic uh, script and really incredible performance from uh, Duvall and a small little film directed by him, but it, I think carries a really powerful um, punch when you watch it. Yeah. I sad to say, I haven't seen it. I remember the trailer mm. Mm. and the only thing I remember was like, didn't he preach on the radio? And that was all I got. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that. It's, it's a good one. It came up when I was trying to find, you yeah. know, the, the, I did my initial run through and then doing yeah. a Google search. Uh, and I was like, Oh yeah, that movie. And then moved right on because I haven't seen it. Right. Right. Cool. Um, all right. So my number nine, I said was sling blade. So my number eight is a Bronx tale. Oh, great call. Yeah. I didn't even think about that one. It's a great yeah. movie. Go for it. Yeah. Bronx tale. This one, uh, De Niro, Jazz Palmateri, and I'm just looking up the kid's name. I was for the kid. Kid, I think he's passed, passed away. Oh, you know what? Never mind. I can't use this one. Fuck. All right. Never mind. I'll Did replace De Niro it. directed and Palmateri yeah. wrote it? All right, Palmateri wrote it. That's on me, okay. guys. That's on me. So then I'll just put Chef here. Oh, the Favreau. Yeah. Is that a punt or do you not have it? On no, it's not okay. on my list. That was the next one up, Chef. I really like Chef. Love Chef. 
great. I mean, Favreau, yes, Iron Man, yes, Elf, yes, all these things. But Chef, one of those small little fun films about a guy going on this journey of self-discovery that doesn't have a shit ton of drama in it. Like there is the drama of him trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life after he's been fired from this um, restaurant because he's because of this critic wrote a really shitty, stupid review about his food and he lost it on the critic and embarrassed himself. Uh, and Dustin Hoffman in a small part is the owner of the restaurant. And so he takes off on this food truck and it's about, you know, reinvigorating his love of being a chef, his love of making food again, because he felt like he'd kind of gotten lost in working for these big restaurants because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to achieve and get to this level and make all this money and be and get this prestige. But he found it to be a very empty life, living that life. And so this moment of explosion leads to this kind of journey of self-discovery with him and his son and John Leguizamo. They go all around the country talking about food, meeting people, going on these adventures. Uh, and, um, oh, God, I forget her name. Gloria from Modern Family. Uh, Sophia Vergara. Oh, yeah, she plays his ex-wife. And so she's off doing her thing and communicating with him as they have conversations about their son or whatever. And then at the end, it's a really nice, sweet ending. So it's a it's a smile film. It's a film where you're going to smile the whole time watching it. Um, and even the moments that have a little bit of the rough exchanges or whatever, they don't throw you off the vibe of the overall film. And for me, who is not a foodie, it made me really understand how people view food, how people interpret food and what food means to them and what ha and the artistry of food. And so I thought it was a great film to do that uh, for me. And it's a fantastic performance from Fabro as well. Yeah, that's a the Michelin star world. Yeah, right. Um, I've watched uh, several like, you know, 20, 30 minute little things on YouTube about what it's like to exist in those kitchens. Oh, God yeah. Damn. That is a fucking world that I mean, it is amazing. Oh, the yeah. pain they put themselves through. Yeah. And the head chef just having to meticulously look over every single detail of every, you know, plate that goes out. It's like, it's oh, my crazy God, stress that you're putting on yourself. Yeah. It's is crazy. incredible. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. So, yeah. So those that's my uh, that's my number uh, eight. And um, I don't know what the kid's name was who played his son in um, chef. Yeah, and I th I think Bobby Cannavale plays. Oh yeah, Scarlett Johansson's in it as well. That's right, as Molly. Right, it's Bobby Cannavale, Sofia Vergara. Okay, so MJ Anthony is the kids, is his son MJ Anthony. Yeah, Oliver Platt is the food critic, um, and Robert Downey Oliver Jr. Platt. is in it in a small role as well. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah, so there you go. Yeah, um, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. All right, what's your seven, man? Uh, my seven is Star Trek Four. Where do I have that? Do I have it? On? You know what? I left it off the list. It's not. You left it off the list. Not one of my favorites. I'm sorry. Oh, Go ahead, dude. Man. It's. I, I like it better than Khan. <laughs> Shut your dirty mouth! Shut your it's lying pirate whore mouth! It's so much more fun. It is a Khan. I got to be in the mood for. <laughs> Star what? Trek four, throw it on right now. I got zero. Let's watch it, baby. Let's save those fucking whales, man. Captain, there be whales here. Yeah. Computer. <laughs> Computer. Uh, 
Is it uh, the second? Yeah, the second Star Trek mm. that I saw in theaters. Okay. And didn't know if I was a fan at that point. Right, of course. Because I hated three. Three stuff. Uh, oh, it's as as a kid, it is brutal. <laughs> Watching them like the, the planet tear itself apart as Spock is aging up because of the ah. terraforms. Yeah, and it's going up. It's like oh, yeah. I hate it as a kid. So I remember being hesitant yeah. about going to see four even though I loved any excuse to go to the movies as yeah. a kid and uh, just loving it. Yeah. And it's still to this day, like that's probably what sparks my intrigue about any Star Trek, you know, pro- project that gets announced. I know it has the capability of reaching those heights for me. Yeah. Which four got me to, and I've watched now numerous I watch almost the entire run of next generation. And Oh yeah. Some of Deep Space Nine, and I've seen all the Star Trek films. And, uh, you know, for good or for ill, I've seen all the Star Trek films. Uh, but for I, Nimoy really brings a tremendous amount of heart mm-hmm. and uh, levity that I think is lacking in the series at various moments. Yeah. Because he's got, he creates a good bond between uh, him and Shatner. Yes. To where you can see the camaraderie and the respect between the two of them, which is missing in other projects. Mm. Uh, perhaps that's because we have Nimoy writing and directing and understanding uh, that uh, how how better to accommodate the actors yeah. overall as opposed to turning into a vanity project for themselves, like other people may have done with the series. <laughs> Um, I feel like you're going somewhere with this. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, there's I, given the track record of what we've seen, if George Takei wanted to do one, I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah. If if you know if any of the other actors wanted to take a stab at it, I am intrigued. If oh. a particular actor yeah, says yeah. I'd like to to you know take the the reins one more time, I am not looking forward to that. Will well, I see it? Probably. But, There's no way they let him do another one. No, they won't even let him so. come back to the series. You know, so that's because he loves it, and then shits on it, and shits on it some more, yeah. and then when he whatever is missing yeah. the relevance and cachet that it provides him, yeah, suddenly he's all about it again. You know, go adapt Tech Wars or whatever the fuck that was called. Bring <laughs> that to the theaters. Uh, I never read those. Did you? No, no. I love my boy, but I don't consider him an author. So I. Didn't want to read those, uh, but I, I bought they were decent. Music. I bought his music. So. <laughs> I love that Shatner album. He has been. Ah, I would That's... trust him more as an author than I do as a musician. <laughs> Dude, it's a good fucking album. It's a good CD. Yeah, Henry Rollins, him and his. Uh, You're not uh, selling me Joe so Jackson. far. No, it's it's a very it's not what you think. Like that first album from the 1960s, where he's doing like Shakespeare monologues and doing the Lucy in the Sky with diamonds that's Mm. it's just all for camp but like this one was a fully introspective like he does a whole song about the the drowning death of his wife which was fuck it's intense uh so and then the the uh issues with his daughter he does a whole spoken word song about the issues with his daughter he remakes um common people that punk song from back in the 70s with joe jackson which i was it's fucking great which i'm shocked by 
but yeah. So anyway, so it's not it's not what you think. But, but yeah, may, you don't have to give it a chance. That's for sure. <laughs> may you know what? I got Apple Music. Right. Maybe I'll I'll give it a spin one of these days. On. I highly doubt it. Go but on maybe YouTube. I will. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. So, uh, you know, for me, I, I, all I can tell you is that it's so cheesy now when I watch it that I don't, how dare you? I know. I'm sorry. I don't feel the same magic for it's for me. It's two and six. Those are, those are just the top two. And and Nimoy wrote six. Oh no. So Nimoy directed. No, Nimoy wrote six. He wrote one of them where Nicholas Meyer directed it, but I think he wrote six. I think Nimoy wrote six, but he, uh, he didn't direct it. Meyer came back to don't. Yeah, I don't think Nimoy has another one of these trifectas in the Star no, Trek world. No, he yeah, he wrote he wrote Undiscovered Country. He did not direct it. Um, and he's, you know, the guy's a really accomplished guy. People people think it's just Spock. I mean, he was a stage actor, uh theater a theater actor rather. He 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 certainly made his bones there, and of course, being in the Mission Impossible series and other series. But yeah, I mean, if it had been six, it would have made my list. But four at times just gets so cheeseball and like you have to believe these old people can run around a ship and not get caught, and it's like, come on now. So, Chekhov gets caught. Well, no, but I mean, it, you tell me Uhura can't get caught. Come on now, uh, it just it, and Chekhov doesn't get caught. He slips and trips and hits his head. It's not like they, they guess caught what? He gets caught. <laughs> the fact still remains. Fine. He does get caught. Yeah, Fine. and if I had to order, I think I go four six two. <sighs> Six is a lot of fun. Six is great. I yep. love six. Six the whole carries we're in Siberia, yeah. the, you know, aspect of it. So good. I mean, the trial with the Klingons alone is fucking excellent, man. I tried to help him. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. So that was your that was your seven. What's your six? Yeah, that was my seven. My six is primer. The time oh, travel. Please go ahead. Yeah. Um so it's two guys and they're like tinkering around after work in uh-huh. their garage. They're, I think they're engineers, but they okay. end up they they're trying to build one thing and they end up inadvertently building this this little machine that creates a time loop. Get out of here. Okay. So then they kind of refine it and they know the duration of their loops. Yeah. And then it kind of unfolds from there because one guy is overly cautious. And yeah. one guy is like, let's take advantage of this situation. And the two parallel, like, what happens if this technology falls into various yeah. people's hands and the outcomes of it? Um, and it's a nice push and pull. Like, you can kind of understand both aspects of it. Of course, you want to be like the altruistic individual that I will do nothing bad with this. But right. They both start off kind of doing a little day trading and going back. Yeah. previous hours and making bets on the stock market and reaping the rewards there. And you can see like, Oh, there could be slight benefits for this that don't really have massive ripple effects, yeah. but you don't know the long-term consequences of this. But the problem is, is the compounding nature of this becomes exponential pretty quickly. Yeah. Cause eventually they go get to the point where one guy is like, you know what? Other dude doesn't know. I created another one of these. I'm going to go back to before we actually started this and stop us before we do it. Oh shit. Yeah. And he gets back to that. Yeah. Should, should I just continue going? I don't feel like I, do you want me to, spoil oh, oh is it going to spoil it? 
Oh, no, no. I mean, kind of, it's a time travel. That's fine. What the other guy's already there, and he's yep. like, I knew you were going to come back or something. Exactly. <laughs> and he, and then, it, but it makes sense of that's a great actual the guy that's story. devious of of course he had this thought long before yeah. the altruistic oh, one. Of course, he of wanted to protect, and the movie closes, and they've they've gone their separate ways, and good guy is just basically trying to make sure that his timeline and his his version of himself stays the path and does the right thing and the other guy we cut to and he is building a massive one. Oh my god and you're like what is he planning to do with this wow because basically they just look like small coffins almost they're just the size of a person and you lie down in it yeah. and it sends you back like x number of hours wow but it's really tiny budget insanely well executed i gotta watch this now this sounds very very yeah it's good it's just a couple of guys yeah. And you can tell it's a shoestring budget and they managed to pull off, you know, what you kind of hope every uh, uh, small film festival when people yeah. come in, it's just like, you know what? I don't have the budget. So I have to be extra creative. Right. And to see the creativity come across like this. Uh, it was, it's really good. It's a okay. good film. Go see primer. He also directed upstream color from 2013. I remember that film getting a lot of publicity. I did as not well. see that. Kind of a smaller primer. version, a smaller film. Okay. Yeah. Shit, I'll put that on the list. That sounds so awesome. Um, okay, that was your seven and six. That was my seven and six. So my seven is Tropic Thunder, which is not go for it. Yes, Ben Stiller. Fantastic direction in the film, fantastic writing of the film, uh, with Justin Thoreau. Uh, and then of course being in it as Tug Speedman uh is hilarious. Uh all of it from top to bottom. Rewatched again a few weeks ago. Just I put it on just for the first. 20 minutes i was like i'll just watch the first 20 minutes while i'm doing something next thing you know i just left it on um while i was enjoying something else so it's it's cool it's such a great film it makes me laugh all the time i know it isn't one of your favorites so i won't spend too much on it and we've talked about it no maybe i need to see it again it's been a while it's been a long time and yeah. especially now apparently cruz is working on a yeah less grossman standalone project yeah he doesn't want to reveal too much my friend um uh, was it uh, it was chris chris from comicbook.com he he asked him about would there be any characters you revisit and you see tom going like has it going oh I, I don't know and he's looking over at his publicist and she's probably being like would you fucking say a word and so he mentions les grossman but he doesn't like go into it he says that he did it on mtv years ago for the mtv movie awards mm -hmm. but it could be fun to revisit that one so clearly there is some interest on his side at least of yeah. bringing that character That's, back in some way shape or form so. yeah, i read an article about the next plans that he has Oof. and that was one of them a musical is another and then yeah because he loved rock of ages doing yeah, that so much nobody went to see that film. I, don't, uh, I don't but my favorite is so he's done with mission impossible right yeah well, the next two good. done yeah and the third one that I, apparently he's most excited about is basically creating his own mission impossible <laughs> you're going to be 65 once this comes out 66 well look i'm sure he looks at neeson and gibson and all these guys that are still doing these uh, these vehicles and is like i can do these yeah but I'm he dead. wants to set up a franchise yeah. of his own i mean stallone did it with expendables <sighs> yeah he also brought in 27 people <laughs> Yeah, you can't do that. You can't carry that anymore, man. Look, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. 
it's Tommy. I'm going to go where Tommy goes. Well, it'd be know, one I, thing I'm if kidding. it's, according to the article, it's like it's a Logan-esque character, so it's an aged, but they're Ooh. making him out to be a, a superhero. Not not a superhero, but like a super spy yeah, yeah, yeah. type of individual. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, what about just like a Logan-born identity type character as opposed to a Logan you take your dude from Mission Impossible and you amp it up and now you just make him older. I'd be curious to see him in a Western. He's never done a Western. That's because I mean, Westerns don't do well. Huh? Because Westerns don't do well. How dare you? They don't. They far look. and away is the closest thing he's coming. That wasn't even that close. So. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Actually, I would say the closest he's come is The Last Samurai. Oh, yeah, you could argue there's a lot of similarities between mm. Westerns and, sa- and Samurai films, of course. Uh, certainly. Um, like tweet from years ago, notwithstanding. Um, all right, so then my number six is Jojo Rabbit. That's called a punt. Yeah, I had a feeling. Um, all right, Matt, well, before we get into our top fives, let's take a quick break here from our sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back right after this. Take it away, Mr. Nost. All right, we are jumping into our top fives. At number five, I have Rocky Four. Uh, that is my number four. I thought it would chart higher with my man, Matt Nost. So I am surprised to find it at number five. All right. I, I flirted back and forth. It was either going to be four or five. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It had a potential to make it to three. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? Four or five seems right about the area where it should be. You know what? I'll say this. I'll just go ahead and make it my number four. We'll Whoa! Go in wow! This. I'll bump right. it up one. Rocky four. Now I'm looking at my list, going, you know what? Let's be, let's, you know, call spade a spade here. I do okay. like enjoy that better than my four. All right. So then, what's your five? Uh, well, you want to just talk about Rocky, and then I'll what? go back to my five. Aren't you moving down your five to? Yeah. To, to, yeah. Oh, you want to just talk about Rocky four now? Okay, yeah, because sure. we've yeah. already. Let's do it. What can we you say? Know. We talked about this film. Uh, he ended communism. Oh, Gorbachev saw that movie and was like, oh. the air of my ways. <laughs> I just rewatched Chernobyl again. God, that show oh, is so good. That show is great. With the Gorbachev character coming in and just trying to wrap his head around. Yeah. You know, he's a politician and just like, what is happening? What did we do? Okay. Oh, How can we fix this? What does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. But yeah, it, the best Rocky, aka Rocky Four, hands down the best. It's like not even close. Is it not even close? It's, not, it's literally not even close. This is the <laughs> best Rocky. Oh, you're an insane person. <laughs> what are you gonna tell me, Rocky, the first one? Yeah, of course. Rocky One and Creed are better films than Rocky Four. Yeah, no. You way. know, I think you know it's true. No, but. Way. Rocky Creed four. is not even in this discussion. Oh, for God's sakes. You're insane. It's the second best. Yeah. He's had what? Two professional fights, and then suddenly he gets a shot at the heavyweight championship what? of the Wait, world? This, what are you talking about? This this uh, tomato can is getting a shot at the title in the first movie. He hasn't even had Under, any professional fights uh, outside of a gym in a church. Oh, that's bullshit. He's, he's got a record. In that he's first got a one. record from fighting in a gym in a church. He's not. He doesn't. Well, yeah, but those were professional fights, were they not? Uh, professional in the loosest sense of the term. Okay, well, it's like me pro- calling myself a stage actor because I work at the little theater down the road in my small town. Yeah, I, you're not a stage actor for real. Well, you're an actor, but you're not. 
I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. I'm looking it up. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> it was a tomato can working the local gyms in Philadelphia, working the local rings in Philadelphia. What the fuck is this? But it happens because he gives him a shot because, you know, the other guy drops out. And so he gives him a shot. But with Creed, it's using the basis of Rocky getting the shot. That's how he gets to get vaulted into that position. It isn't like they just found him and were like, yeah, let's do it. It's because he's connected to Apollo Creed and connected to uh, to Rocky. That's why he gets the shot for the title in, in Creed. So you're misrepresenting what happens in the movie a little bit. Well, I can't really defend myself now because I'm trying to find <laughs> really you can't do his record. Fair enough. So according to various websites, yes. Rocky fought 81 times total in his career. He did. He did. He yeah, he did. 81 fights. <laughs> Before he fought for the title. Yeah. No, no, no. A well, it just saying total in his Oh, career. he retired. Sorry, he retired with fifty-seven wins. Fifty-seven. Fifty-four by KO, twenty-three losses. Yeah. One draw. Which yeah. we never saw him lose, and we clearly didn't see him win. What are you talking? We never saw him lose. He lost in the first fight. In against- I'm saying 23 times. Oh, 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 oh. Well, we saw him once lose to. Well, we saw him lose to Apollo in the first movie, Clubber Lang in the third movie. So we've seen him lose. Okay, there's two. So there's 21 fights unaccounted for. <laughs> yeah, to say in the, the wins. Let's just shave off. We'll say 10 wins. Sure. And the time that he was champion. Sure. Which means there's 47 wins we didn't see. Yeah. And 21 losses. Sure. So I'm guessing he had a relatively competent record. By the time, not not stellar, a journeyman by well, all accounts. I don't accounts. care about the record. I'm not talking about the record. I'm talking about the quality of where he was at. Come on, man. You you gonna compare a community Creed, theater actor to Creed is Cruise? doing human cockfighting dead south of the border, and suddenly they're like, hey, you know what? I just hey, told what, you why. It was because what's your last name again? Creed. Hold on, what's your last name again? Yes. Ah, yeah, you should get a shot. <laughs> Marvin, need I need I show you the record of Marvis Frazier, Marvin Frazier Jr., who was a shit fighter, but Joe Fra because his last name was Frazier, they get putting up putting him into these fights. Yeah. But after his second fight, they go, we should put him in the heavyweight championship. I don't know if it was his second fight, but wait, Creed, Creed he has, he's got like oh, two, two professional fights. No, 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 no. Somebody, oh. it's ridiculously slim. I remember in the theater going, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Really? Be yeah. one thing. If he was like, you know, 10 and two, and he's got a couple losses. So he doesn't, the bloom is a little off the rose as far as boxing is concerned. Currently, Adonis's record is 25 and 1. So, 26 fights when you factor in Creed 2. It means he must add a few fights before Creed. So, I swear to God, at the start of Creed, they say that he's only fought. What, they only say he fought like legitimate fighters a couple of times. Same thing with Rocky. He probably only fought like one legitimate fighter, if that. Yeah, I want Creed movie Wikipedia, not the fucking band. Okay, not the what? The band with Hams White Hoopers. Talking about the band, man. I just googled Creed, oh. and I was like, all right, well, the movie will come up. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. As Fair one right. of the first Wikipedia links, 
two pages in. Nothing. He's had 26 wins, 26 fights, 25 wins, 24 by knockout, and one loss. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Nobody wins 24 wins. He's not fucking Tyson. He was not that good of a fighter. Rocky got him, made him a better fighter. So. Yeah, he's a young college graduate working at a securities firm. But on weekends, he sneaks out to Tijuana to fight professional, uh, yet still amateur undercard boxing matches against unheralded opponents and maintains an undefeated 15-0 okay. and 0 record. He's what the fuck does that mean? Professional yet amateur. Yeah, that's what you saw in Rocky. You think Spider Rico was going to scare anybody? That, that is a meaningless sentence. They are <laughs> professionally amateurs. Oh, okay. Well, so am I. I'm a professional I'm amateur boxer. I don't know. I'm just reading what it says in the wiki. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> it says he's serving time in a detention center. Yes. And then it... But he's 15 and 0 at the beginning of the movie. Against professional amateurs. No, professional. He fights professional, but he's on amateur undercards. Which means the other fights are amateur fights, but he's fighting supposedly professional people. Right. Look, I didn't write the movie, man. <laughs> I just know he's 15 and 0 at the beginning of the film. Ridiculous. <sighs> yeah, let's Ridiculous. move on from this. It's going to derail the show, man. <laughs> um, all right, anyway, Rocky Four is the best Rocky. We both agreed on that. Uh, we did not. <laughs> Moving on. I, I We came to an agreement. What we came to as a discussion. We came to an agreement. <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right. Where are we going? What's your, do we go my five or your five? Where are we at right now? I think it's your uh, five, right? Since uh, my five is Garden State. Oh, go ahead, man. I didn't. I I couldn't. Go ahead. Can't go back to watch uh, Zach Kraft. <laughs> he annoys the piss out of me, man. And I can't, I, you know, I can't, uh, it, you know, I worked on Scrubs for a few months as an extra and got to work with him in some scenes, you know, around him. He's a nice guy, but. The film itself is super fucking pretentious to go back and watch. Now, the soundtrack is excellent. One of the be quietly best soundtracks ever. But the movie is super. Because also, let's not forget, I know everybody loves Natalie Portman now. Natalie at times takes herself a bit seriously. And so you can see that in the film here as well when you watch, go back and watch Garden the State. The vast Anyone? majority of actors take <laughs> themselves too seriously. That's fair. That's um, fair. Yeah. No, I think it really holds. I watched it uh, again eh, probably two, three years ago. Um, yeah. It's the only BRAF, you know, vehicle. Yeah. That had any shot of making this list. Because the rest of his stuff, yeah. to me, is very Ed Burnsian. Yeah. Oh, it's great point. Great point. Yeah. I almost put that one on, Brothers McMullen. I was really I don't. Close. I can't go back and watch those now. <laughs> That's too far down the, the 90s. It's, it's, it's very specific. Whereas I think Garden State is <laughs> it, it easily translates across to a new era. Certainly. Still holds up. Um I'm not I'm not trying to say it doesn't hold up. It's just, it just doesn't work for me. Whereas Ed Burns to me, it's like, boy, you I don't I feel like we all got swept up into uh <laughs> hey, this dude's really good. You Just think like, we got I, tricked? Are you trying to say we got I, tricked? I think a hype train started, and you kind of just buy into the hype train, and then because he ended up making like seven, eight films that oh, no, no. directed. The studios bought into the hype train. Yes, yes. I was done with him after a second movie because I thought Brothers McMullen was good, 
And then he did another film, and I can't remember what the other film was because I think Aniston is in that film. And I saw that and I was like, woof. Yeah. And then uh, is Cameron Diaz in that one? Yes. It's like two couples and then a third woman. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, but then he was in, but as an actor, I like him as an actor. I think he, I wish he'd do more because I actually really liked him as an actor. But sure, I mean, what same private Ryan? I'm struggling to think. Yeah, the sound of thunder is not good. That was the John Bon Jovi one, right? Sound of no, thunder. the sound of thunder was the time oh, no. travel, they go back and, right. and change the timeline. And dinosaurs, they run uh, Ben Kingsley runs a, a business right. where rich people can go back and they can basically big game hunt for dinosaurs yeah um, but they accidentally changed the timeline and has repercussions going forward it's an interesting idea i think it's a philip k dick it's yeah. just the you can tell the budget ran thin because the cgi is terrible yeah no you're right i mean there's i do like him as an actor he, he probably doesn't he doesn't pick the best projects like the, i think he's good in the holiday um okay. confidence i thought he was good in confidence too the 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 um the Dustin Hoffman one with Rachel Weiss and Paul Giamatti. That was no, that James Foley directed. That wasn't bad. I like that one, but he doesn't always pick the best thing. She's the one. It was the follow-up. That okay. was not good. And then no looking back, which was the Lauren Holly, John Bon Jovi one. That yeah, was I never weird. saw that. Yeah. That was a weird one. I remember shooting a film at Florida state and we were staying over, we we're shooting overnight. And so they put us up in this house and we come out and shoot the scenes out in the front, whatever. But they had a TV, and I just put on the TV, and that film was on. I'd never seen the film. And I watched it, and I was like, oof, this is not good. Lauren Holly's doing her best. Bon Jovi's trying to do whatever you can do as an actor. and But it's just not a good movie. So, yeah, that's I think that was the film that kind of lost me on him. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got off. We're not even. He's not even on the list. So what were we talking about? Not, we were talking about Garden State. Sorry, Garden State. Go and ahead. And I made a Braff at Burns. Yes, uh, yes. Parallel. Yeah. Um. Which you know he's a struggling actor out here in Los Angeles, and then he has to go back home for the funeral of his mother. Yeah. Who he and his father blame him for because she was paralyzed for an accident that happened when he was a child and then ultimately yeah. he has a confrontation with his father and he's like, I was a kid. You can't yeah. blame me for something like this because I was a child. Yeah. Uh, but he needs that reconciliation or at least the confrontation with his father right. because he's been carrying this baggage and it's, it's stopping him from it stagnated him and he yeah. can't progress beyond to a certain degree. Yeah. And then seeing people that you haven't seen in a while uh, when you get back to your hometown, but he ends up, becoming to use a modern parlance entangled yeah. <laughs> yes. with Natalie Portman and yeah. they become two like celestial bodies who get stuck in each other's gravity and s begin to pull away and then ultimately realize that's not what I want. Yeah. And you get that climactic scene at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's got a good payoff and an honest one too. It feels genuine and real as opposed to just fan service. Yeah. Uh, doing you know like they tested the ending um but it's a good one I, I think it genuinely still holds up it's a good movie yeah i don't know i don't just to me it just i have trouble going back to it and that's just on me you know what i'm saying and um because at the time i did like zach so i was like excited to see this movie and 
like the soundtrack and all of that, as I said, and Portman at, at uh, kind of, you know, coming into her as an adult actress, like in the beginnings of her making that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter Sarsgaard? Sarsgaard. Peter Sarsgaard, yeah. I mean, that scene of them yelling into the, into the, into the, yeah, the pit. Quarry. Yeah, the pit is great. So, yeah, there are, there are certainly elements of it. But, and Ian Holmes, shockingly, being his dad, what a great coup to get someone as fantastic as Ian Holm to play his father and those kind of unspoken words that are hanging until finally you get the explosion of feeling um, and what have you. So, yeah, eh, all right. maybe I should revisit it. I just since the last time I watched it, there was so much pretension, I had to turn it off. But maybe I was in a bad. I place. mean, I can understand that, but I, I think it elevates be above that. Hmm, fair. Um, all right, the my number five is A Quiet Place, which was the punt from earlier. I really love this film, man. That's why I moved it up. Um, I think Krasinski does an excellent job directing this one and writing this one. He's in it for a majority of it, and then, and then of course, what happens to him happens to him, but he's fantastic, and so is the... the I mean, it's just genius little thing. Hey, aliens, they can hear you. You gotta be quiet as shit. Oh, got it. All right, let's mm-hmm. see what you can create out of this. And he created a hell of a great film. Um, that works on the family dynamics, works on the idea of, uh, of sound, you know, how sound affects our lives, how important sound is, what we do if we would actually lose the sound, and then also the community can, that can be created uh, post this kind of situation happening um, to the world and happening to the planet. So I thought it was genius. And I pitched this when I worked at Movie Talk at Collider, when I was at Collider, I pitched on Movie Talk many times. This is a franchise that should spawn multiple versions of this movie that can tell completely different stories, but with the same premise that these aliens can hear you. There should have been a quiet place, France, a quiet place, Russia, a quiet place, Australia, quiet place, Japan, quiet place, uh, Brazil or Argentina or Bolivia, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. There should have been a quiet place in a number of cinemas, uh, sorry, a number of countries to go and be specific to their culture, what would that be like? So you just have to grab the premise of these aliens and everything else, you can create a whole new story. So I always thought they missed the boat franchise-wise to not license that out to be done in different countries from different artists and directors who are inspired by what Krasinski did. Um, great idea. Mm. You hope it doesn't get diluted like The Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's having 25 fucking seasons. That's what diluted The Walking Dead. Yeah, but there's then Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, I think there's a points. new Walking Dead show. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's like, I didn't realize there's still demand for this fucking show. It's insane. Yeah. It was all over Comic-Con. I mean, there are posters all over Comic-Con. I, I mean, I'm not the target demographic. I stopped watching long, long, long time yeah, ago. Me too. But the fact that they're like final season of the original show. Jesus, how many of the original actors are left at this point? I think only, well, I think Dwight, right? No, wait, wait, what was his name? Was it Dwight? Are uh, you talking about Daryl? The guy that Darryl, was Daryl? Daryl, sorry, Daryl, yeah. So you got me on the Jim Halpern kick with the Office and Jim. Uh, and then Carol. Yeah. Carol was the woman. Yes, Carol. She's still around? She is still around. They were going to spin off a series with Carol and Daryl, but um, they were going to shoot it overseas. And Melissa McBride said she cannot do that. 
Um, I think she just kind of, you know, she's got a family. She wants to stay home. She doesn't want to be away from her family um, in another country. And so uh, she begged off. So they changed the series around. So she's no longer in it. But yeah, Norman, Daryl Dixon, Norman Reedus, 175 episodes. Melissa McBride playing Carol, 174. So that's, they're the two longest tenured people on the show. 175. Yeah. Wow. I know. From ten, He's been doing it for 12 years. That show's been on for 12 fucking years, bud. I mean, I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know how you do that same character for 12 years. I know. For 175. What are you exploring? I don't know, man. I mean, look at the... Ellen Pompeo on fucking Grey's Anatomy. How the hell is she still on that show? And that show is what twenty seasons or some shit. So there's no way it's longer than Fear the, the than The Walking Dead. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy came out in 2005, bro. Seventeen seasons of Grey's Anatomy, man. Yeah, but is Fear the Walking Dead? Does it? You know, Grey's Anatomy is on an ABC schedule. Oh, the Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead? Which no, no, no The Walking Dead. The, okay, the one Walking that Dead. Norman Reedus is on. That came out in 2010. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Grey's was in 2005. She's been in 401 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. 401. That makes more sense to me just because it's an ABC show. Yeah. So they'll run those fucking things into the ground, whereas AMC was trying to make, you know, heightened television yeah. and to beat the premise into although amc's long since lost its luster hmm. although the amc plus stuff is good uh, those series that they've been coming out on amc plus like gangs of london and the new one dark winds about the two navajo police detectives couldn't get past the pilot good. really <laughs> what you didn't... couldn't get past the pilot wow i love the dude that uh, the head sheriff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah love him a bunch of stuff yeah yeah ever since fargo Right. Oh, God, he's brutal in Fargo. Yeah. When I saw him on this, I was like, oh, the dude from Fargo, I'm in. And then <laughs> saw it, and I was like, you're the only thing I like in this. <laughs> um, I tried to watch, like, uh, Industry on HBO. Oh, Max, yeah, Industry. Was, Catherine. Ugh. I. It was so boring. Yeah, it was boring. So boring. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, we lost uh, we lost Alex Russell. He's he's got to go. <laughs> One person watching us live right now. Oh wait, there's another person watching live. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, we, man, we got to get to our top three. We're, we're running. We got so many tangents going on in the show right now. Sure. We got to get to our top threes, man. We're running out of time here. All right, my three is yeah. the town. Yeah, so is my three. The town, absolutely. Uh, ben Affleck did himself right on this. So good in this film, man. This is eminent. This is such a rewatchable movie, man. Well cast. Yeah. This is one of the, the times where John Hamm got a part that was kind of perfect for him. <laughs> uh, he's been hit and miss on in cinema, which sucks because I think he's wow. a very likable and talented guy. He is, yeah. And like this, baby driver, bridesmaids, and then after that, it's like I'm not sure yeah. what exactly. I'm hoping the ne- the Fletch movie coming out is good. It's not gonna be probably not. Um, although he's got the comedic chops, Fletch was not a good looking dude. Okay, I don't care what anybody says, Chevy Chase, not a good looking dude. By the way, 
Do you follow Chevy Chase on social media? I had no idea he had a fucking TikTok and Instagram. Like, this motherfucker has a second life doing shit on TikTok. It's insane. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to do go into that. Go into, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Yeah, I do. I don't follow <laughs> Chevy on any socials. Um, and I'm also not on TikTok. So, oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. It's more so uh, what China is doing with that information <laughs> is why I'm not on TikTok. China. That's why, it's why I don't use Facebook and I very rarely use Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Facebook is probably the worst of the worst to me hmm. especially after that stuff in nebraska coming out and be like oh you guys found new ways to be shitty good for oh, you oh yeah that's right oh, yeah congratulations horrible. you're now a new form of asshole i already didn't like you it just solidified my thoughts on you yeah that's a fair point dude that is that story is horrific yeah Absolutely fucking horrific yeah. um the same people crying about violation of privacy the same people implementing that kind of shit so anyway well, go big government is fine when it's you know, a means to your ends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's a, a great bank robbery heist film of, you know, about guys in Southie. Yeah. And as the, the net comes in to kind of collect, can any of the fish squirm out of it? Yeah. Or are they all going to get sucked up into it? Great scene. Like when Renner is in that shootout scene, when he's running, oh, that is you. a fantastic action sequence. Agreed. Because we had seen, you know, uh, Ben do Gone Baby Gone, and then yeah. what Argo comes after this. Yes. Uh, but the action scenes, it's it, I would be happy to see him do more action films because he pulls it off so well in the movie. Agreed. Uh, anything you want to add? No, I mean, I think it's, it's well, yeah, okay, I guess. I, <laughs> I just think it's a damn good movie. Eminently rewatchable. Um, I don't, you know, as far as Boston films, it's up there in the top five. Um, the accents are on point. The personal dynamics in the film are really great between Renner and and um, and uh, Affleck. And I even think Blake Lively, even though some people make fun of her accent, make fun of her performance, I like her in the film. I think she's actually damn good in the film. I know many girls that I grew up in, 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 in Virginia and met occasionally in college who are like that, just kind of lost uh, in their own fantasies of what the world's like and just, you know, caught up in the whirlwind of drugs and shit like that. And so she was a character, I've, a person I've seen before in real life. Um, yeah. And I thought him was good, but I think Rebecca Hall is fantastic as well. I mean, mm -hmm. the chemistry between him, her and um, Affleck are great and Affleck getting like called out on his shit by her when she realizes that he was the one that like kidnapped, uh, or sorry, he was the one that robbed the bank, part of the people who robbed the bank. Like, what a mind fuck that is, you know? So I think the film does a great job. And you're right, the action sequences, holy shit, they are brutal. Uh, and then the the comeuppance with Pete Postlewaite at the end, fucking genius. If you yeah. love revenge moments in movies, that's a fucking great moment, you know? Remember who clipped your nuts for you. Uh, anyway, all right, so what's your two, man? Uh, my two is best in show. Oh, good choice. Didn't make my list. Go ahead, man. Oh, uh, it's probably my favorite of the Chris guest. Yes. Written, directed, starring in Spinal Tap doesn't count because Rob Reiner directed that. That's true. Um, and then after that, I prefer this to, you know, a mighty wind yeah. or for your consideration or yeah. any of the others. Uh, Guffman, right? Guffman was. Yeah. Waiting for Guffman. Yeah. Um, I'll take best in show overall, which is 
the eccentric people that get into showing their dogs at the quote unquote highest level. It's genius. Man. It's a perfect marriage of the absurdity. Cause then he puts out something like uh, mascots on oh, yeah. Netflix or Amazon yeah. or whatnot. And I don't know if I buy into the, all these people are eccentric. Yeah. As well as I do best in show. Uh, Cause you've seen shots of the crowd and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. And they're in their Sunday finest to go out and show and see if their dog is the best in the country or the best in the world yeah. that year by arbitrary metrics. It's I don't know, the absurdity of that world and to populate it with characters that really seem to fit. And it's this wide array of individuals. You have the yeah. upper crust, uh, you know, bored because they have so much wealth. They get into it yeah. all the way down to somebody like Chris guest who, uh, you know, makes fishing lures and whatnot. And is a simple <laughs> country guy, but he's got a hound dog and the hound dog is apparently the best, one of the best hound dogs. Oh my God. It's And he gets into it just because he loves his dog and it's everything in between the busy bodies that don't have kids. So this becomes their kid with the yeah. Parker Posey couple, the busy bee. Where's my busy bee? And they're freaking out because they're directing what should be that energy towards yeah. a small child. <laughs> they're foisting it upon this dog. They take that dog, I believe to a therapist yeah. to try and figure out why it's acting out and be like, it's a dog. Yeah. Um, but it's just a, a great comedic movie from Chris Guest. And yeah. uh, one of the times where it's it, the perfect blend of eccentricities. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It's it's so good. And you're right. And I, I, yeah, it's just not one that I go back and put on a lot. So for whatever reason, but the humor in it is great. I mean, when Christopher Guest is doing the whole nuts thing, peanut, yeah. hazelnut, all that kind of, it's great moment. But then the, you know, the different pairings that they have, like um, Jane Lynch with Jennifer Coolidge in that situation. And then, of course, of the fact that uh, Catherine O'Hara has, what, the weak, the weak ankles or whatever, and she's trying to walk with the dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, Eugene Levy literally has two left feet. So, like, yeah. it's, it's just, just all of it is funny uh, in exploring all of that, for sure. So, great choice, man. I, I wish I had. Put it on my list, but then in the end, I just I didn't feel like that's one that I was called to put on my list. So, sure. Um, all right, that was your two. That was my two. Okay, so the my two is Citizen Kane. Can't um, believe that's not your number one. Yeah, I know, and I'll tell you why, and I'm explaining it because obviously it's a great movie, in my opinion, best movie ever made, and Wells is great. Mankiewicz is the so is the primary writer. All right, Wells is listed as the writer, but the reason I but so I get away with it on a technicality. But Mankiewicz is the primary writer here. And so for me, um, I know what the deal is. And I think that and that's why I moved it to number two, because in my mind, he if he had written it full on, then it would be number one by miles. But because I know Mankiewicz wrote a majority of it um, and his estate, of course, claims they wrote all of it. I don't 100% put it at number one. So, but yeah, you know, I love this film. What can I say to you? Go back and see it if you haven't, or if you haven't watched it, go back and see it. It's available in 4K on Criterion. Fantastic transfer of the film. Um, but it's it's one of the classics, one of the greatest films ever made. And so, um, what can I tell you? It's, it's a great film to explore the greatness of a person and how they can um, be seen by other people. Because one of the gifts of the movie is that he never speaks for himself. He's always seen through the prism of other people's eyes. 
So you may think you know Charles Foster Kane by the end of the movie, but you only know him through other people's remembrances. So you never actually got to know him. So, which is kind of like any of those individuals of obscene wealth like that. Yes. Right. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your number one? Uh, My one is Jojo Rabbit. Oh, wow. Okay. Go ahead. Well, it gets number one. So it's based on a book. Yeah. Uh, but it's Taika adding Hitler in as the best friend when he yes. writes the screenplay that elevates yeah. this to number one for me. Because if you take that out, I think this movie, I don't see it. No, no. It's it's nowhere near as powerful. You're right. It one one hundredth is powerful. Yeah, yeah. Fair. It doesn't have because it it brings in a levity to a situation that is rightfully um depressing mm-hmm. and over you know almost too much to handle yeah plus we've seen so many different movies about this specific subject yeah yeah, yeah. that it changes up the pace a little bit and also uh when you bring in someone like steven merchant the ss they now have kind of a somewhat comedic feel as opposed to an ominous yeah yeah, because we have the ominous later when you see the shoes Mm oh that has that has even more of a punch because there's been a lot of levity yep. in the movie. Yep. So the reality of the world around them comes back and hits you in the face. Yeah. It is much more impactful uh a punch because you haven't been expecting it. You've been laughing and smiling yeah. and uh enjoying yourself, and then yeah. the reality of what's actually going on sets back in. Yeah. And you as much as uh, if you were an individual in it and trying to find escapism within the terrible world, yeah, it's undeniable that you're still existing in that time and place. Um, so yeah, without you take Hitler out, then I don't know that the Stephen Merchant stuff works. I don't know if the back and forth with the kids works as well, because uh, introduction to the movie is that, yeah, um, and it really sets the tone for what you can expect. So that's why it's my number one. We have to present stuff that that he's got to navigate and negotiate as a kid, right? And certainly, we all have our um, people that we look up to, and then as we get older, we realize, oh man, I didn't know all this stuff about so and so, you know. And so you have to kind of reconcile that and deal with that, and come to terms with that. I mean, and the fact that it's Hitler and. It also gives you a window into the fact that, yeah, you know what? To these kids, because they're kids, yeah. they were conditioned from birth to, or from young ages to see Hitler as this because Hitler controlled how he was presented in the classrooms, how he was presented in the media there in Germany for a few years. So they were indoctrinated. And if mm-hmm. their parents wanted their children to live and not be killed by the Nazis, they had to indoctrinate them into believing this stuff. So it tests you as a viewer a little bit to have a little more circumspect and introspection and perspective about the situation. And so I like that it did that. But then it throws you this great relationship with him and Thomas and Mackenzie, her as a Jewish young kid who is being hidden away. Yeah. Um, and the kid has to confront the fact that his mom was hiding Jews. So how does he deal with that after his mom's died? So there's so much here amongst all the levity and funny moments with Hitler, which are great. From Taika Waititi, there's also, as you said, Matt, the really serious stuff happening here, and him confronting certain things at a young age um, that he doesn't need to, he, he, that he, you know, will that I don't know. It's tough to confront as a young kid, but also add to that his friend Archie, 
who is, you know, constantly showing up with the worser and worser yeah. outfits and latest it, technology. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like it just shows you like um, the, it's essentially mirrors the, the deterioration of Germany under Hitler as they're losing the war. And his poor friend is just, you know, desperately trying to hold on to the vestiges of what's left. And you see how terrible that is. So there's so much about this that speaks volumes uh, about you know, what's going on in this young kid's life amongst the liberty, which is great. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So then my number one is do the right thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is the greatest film Spike Lee's ever done so far. It's, it's, we just recently did it on the cinephiles. It's so good to go jump, dive into it and go step-by-step step through it. Great performance from Spike Lee as Mookie infuriating at times. Also interesting. Uh, great direction from Spike, obviously. And the writing here is just stellar. For a third film out the box, uh, it's fantastic. And so um, just to hit your peak already in a third film, I think it's just phenomenal. And it changed people. I think it changed a lot of people who saw it. And I think it still does for people who discover it. Because sadly, it still feels as topical as it did back in 1989. Um, yeah especially with some of the images you see in the film, some of the police brutality you see in the, in the movie. Um, sadly, we see some of those images now. And so there's so much about the film. It's great performances all around. Danny Aiello's been dead. John Turturro, really good. Sam, a young Sam Jackson, uh, Martin Lawrence in the film as well. So just top to bottom, uh, an incredible achievement um, and one that people should watch. And I think it lights the way for so many people of color, not just african-american community but any communities of color to see hey look if spike can do it um we should be, there's an avenue here if we can follow it so yeah there you go um, any, any thoughts on that i i like the film but i it's when it stacks up to other spikes i prefer mm. i will gladly watch malcolm x inside mm. man 25th hour gotcha I gravitate to all those before at this point before do the right thing. Understood. So Understood. it's it's nothing against the film. It's just like I would rather watch everything else on my list before I watch do the right thing again. <laughs> nothing against the film, but yeah, but then it's just it like, right, well, what Spike Lee do you want to watch? Well, what kind of mood am I in? Am I yeah. in an inside man mood? A twenty fifth hour mood? A, a Black Klansman? I think I would watch before do the right thing. Wow. All right. Fair enough. Um, I like it. I just don't. I don't know. As time progresses, I. You don't like it as much. Don't, yeah, it, oh. it dissipates with time. Understood. Uh, oh, well, there's our separate lists there for our top 10 films. Uh, count down the films that were written, starring, and directed by the same person. Uh, we can put this th list together here, Matt. That we shall. Okay, I'm going to grab the uh, bongos. All right. All right, so I think it probably goes the town at number one. Oh yeah okay rocky four at number two. Oh wow and jojo rabbit at three okay and then after that I got what do we have a quiet place in the bottom of our list and sling blade yeah i don't oh. think we have anything else so what's your i guess next highest um uh, number one, do the right thing. That was my number one. 
Okay. And then we have battle of number twos for the next spot, I guess. Oh, yeah. Really? Do you want to do the Elizabethan or do you want me to do? Oh, yeah. Will you do it? Batman, Superman. We'll All right. It. All right. The old Batman, Superman flipping now. Let's get it. Oh, nice. Oh, come on. Best in show somehow beats Citizen Kane. That is horrific. Ridiculous. Yeah, I would gladly watch Best in Show right now over Citizen Kane. Well, of course. I Do we want to? I protest here. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, what? So we have seven, eight, nine, and ten left. You just want to do a quiet place and sl- sl- uh, sling blade here? Oh, yeah, sure. Seven and eight. Okay. Yeah. So we have two spots left. Okay. All my top five are gone. So. Okay, well, I've got my top five. Six. So I got my number seven. That's the yep. one. I don't have my five or my six. Oh, so. there you go. All right, Garden State and Primer, make it on. Nice. There we go. All right, let's do this thing. The top ten movies written, starring, and directed by the same person. Yeah. All right. At number ten. Primer. At number nine. Garden State. At number eight. Sling Blade. At number seven. A Quiet Place. At number six. Citizen Kane. At number five. Best in Show. At number four, Do the Right Thing. At number three, Jojo Rabbit. At number two, Rocky Four. And our number one movie written, starring, and directed by the same person is... Is The Town. The Town. There it is. Um, Yeah. Well, uh, if you would like to follow the show on Twitter, it's at Top Ten Show, all spelled out. Otherwise, on... YouTube and Instagram, it is forward slash the top 10 podcast. And uh, check out my other show. It is called Settle the Score. And you can find that anywhere you get podcasts or over at youtube.com forward slash Matt Nost. You can check it out there. And you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. You follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, The Outlaw Nation on Twitch. My YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says. And my other podcasts, uh, The uh, Cinephiles and The Geek Buddies, they're out there for you to enjoy as well. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, everybody, who joined us live. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top 10. Peace. Ooh.